When God told me to begin to teach on prophecy, uh, I said, okay, I said, we need to teach on prophecy, but really prophecy is not an area that I really, really excel in. And so I said, I'm going to teach prophecy. We put it on the calendar. I announced we're going to teach prophecy. But it was as I begin to study and I begin to pray and I begin to let the Lord lead me, step by step, I begin to realize, listen to me, folks, I pray God gives us 10 more years. Whatever time we have left for those who are serving God, it's not going to be doom and gloom. It's going to be good measure, pressed down, shaking together, overflowing. I, I, believe, I believe this in all my heart, gifts of the ministry, prophetic, um, gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, offices of, of the ministry, uh, uh, finances are going to be taken from the wicked and put in the hands of the righteous. And so when you look at this, it's not a negative thing at all. It is an exciting thing for those who are the children of God. So we need to get saved, stay saved, and get everybody we know saved. It could happen today. There is not one thing that has to be fulfilled before Jesus can come back. Now, I'm going to show you something today where people said, well, this one thing has to happen. And it's been a little confusing, but I'm going to show you today it's already happening. Read with me in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? Verse 4, and Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Whenever we tell people what we see that's happening in our world today is an obvious sign that the Messiah is on his way, that Jesus is about to have make his second appearance. People will always say, well, we've always had wars, we've always had rumors of wars, and I've said this time and time again. Yes, we've always had wars, and we've always had earthquakes, and we've always had pestilence, but the acceleration, the explosion of these things that are happening right now is astounding everyone. And the Bible says that when you see these things, it's like a birth pang. It is just the beginning. When we see these things begin to happen, We're not going to go through them. They will be a sign, get ready, because before it comes down on all the earth, you and I are going home to be with Jesus. Can I have an amen? This is not for you and I who are serving God a sign of us suffering. When it began to rain, God put the children in the ark. 
When we see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. But I have, to, I have to say that you need to make sure that you're serving God. You need to make sure that you're not lukewarm. You need to make sure because when the Lord comes, he's coming in a twinkling of an eye. He's coming as a thief in the night. He's coming one moment he won't be here and the next moment we'll meet him in the air. We want every one of you and your family and your friends to be ready. So what we do is we get stirred up so that we can say, you know what, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. This is not a time to back down. This is a time to speed up because I need to be ready as one of the five wise virgins and not the five foolish for the coming of the Lord. Can I have an amen? Now, once again, verse 20, 32 in the scripture, here's the main sign. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already come tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the very door. Assuredly, I say unto you, assuredly, I say unto you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things are fulfilled. This is the scripture where all the geniuses and all the knowledgeable people said, here's what proves your Bible is nothing more than fairy tales. Israel cannot become a nation. Israel has not been a nation at all for 2,000 years. It's been under siege for 3,000 years. This is why the prophet said, who's ever heard of such a thing? Who's ever seen such a thing? Can a nation be born in one day? God prophesied numerically through all the prophets exactly when Israel would become a nation. When you take all the numbers and you add them and you multiply them, it comes down that God said almost 3,000 years ago that Israel would once again become a nation in the middle of the month of May in the year 1948. On May 14th, 1948, A miracle of miracles, Israel was born in one day. And the Bible says, if God says 3,000 years ago, I can tell you exactly when I will remove the curse and begin the blessing. When that happens, there is one generation, one generation left. Israel became a nation in 1948. I was born in 1950. My generation will see the coming of Jesus Christ. God says, I will prove to the world that I am God when Israel becomes a nation. We talked about Israel coming back. We talked about Israel becoming a nation. We talked about the bride becoming the bride again, that the bridegroom left. Most Jewish men and women in the world are not serving God. We look at Jewish people and we think of what we see at the Western Wall in the black and the peyotes and the talit, but most Jewish people are not serving God. Most Jewish people, just like most American people, are secular. They're just regular, everyday people. But the prophecy is that when the Jewish people see the Gentiles who believe in the Messiah when they see them beginning to act like Jesus acted, it will stimulate them to come back 
to the Torah, and that is the final sign the Messiah is coming quickly. Let me read again Rabbi Schneerson that I read last week as we read on The Bridegroom Cometh. Rabbi Schneerson prophesies concerning this scripture, and he says, right now the whole world is ready for the coming of the Messiah. But it's going to take the Gentiles coming back to God's word. And when the Gentiles begin to keep the Sabbath, and when the Gentiles begin to eat right, and the Gentiles begin to celebrate the same, the same celebrations that Jesus celebrated, Passover, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Now listen to this prophecy. When the Gentiles begin to do this, the Jews will come to them and say, why are you doing this? And we will tell them, this is what our Messiah taught us. And then they will see the miracles that will come on the Gentiles. Somebody say miracle. They will see the miracles. They will not be able to get it out of their mind. And they will run back to the Torah because it has provoked them. It has stimulated them to come back to God. And this will be the sign the Messiah is ready to come right now. Now listen to me, we're talking, about, we're talking about wars and rumors of wars. We're talking about Israel becoming a nation. We're talking about God giving a miracle of the land back to Israel. Once Israel returns, once God returns Israel to the Jewish people, he then calls the Jewish people to return to him. Everything God does has a physical and a spiritual. As the physical Jews return physically back to Israel, those of us who are spiritually grafted in through Jesus as Messiah, we will spiritually return back to Israel, and this will be the beginning of the end. Now, there's one last thing that has to happen. Read with me in Ephesians chapter 2, because it's happening in our lives right now. Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Therefore, remember that you were once Gentiles. You were once Gentiles. You are not a Gentile anymore. You have been grafted in. Can I have a loud amen? You're not a Gentile. A Gentile is a stranger, a foreigner, an idol worshiper. You and I are not strangers or foreigners. We are adopted into the family of God, the family of Israel through Jesus Christ our Lord who are called uncircumcised by what is called uncircumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens or foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant promises having no hope without God in the world. This is before Jesus. But now, everybody say now. Now in Christ Jesus... You, you you former Gentiles who were once afar off have been made, what's the next word? Near. Near. Listen, if I'm in the building, I'm not near the building, I'm in it. But if I'm a block away, I'm not in the building, but I am. I'm near. You and I are near to rebuilding the tabernacle of David. We're not there yet, but we're real, real near. Matter of fact, we're not a block away. We're knocking on the door. Watch this. For he, uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been made near 
by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of division between us. Has broken down the middle wall of division between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now look at what he's saying here. He said, we're near. Because of Jesus Christ, we're going to make heaven our home. But before we go to heaven, there is going to be, by the promise, this promise is just as real as Israel would become a nation again. There is going to be in the last days a great outpouring of God's power. There's going to be in the last days signs, not just a few brain aneurysms being healed, every brain aneurysm being healed, not just one people having $68,000 worth of debt canceled, everybody having their debt canceled, not just a few people getting saved, everybody's family getting saved. That is as real as Israel would become a nation. That is as real as God making us the last generation it is going to happen and we are so near to that moment somebody shout amen Amen. what's the key to go from near to here what's the key he said we've got to tear down that middle wall so that the two can become one new man say pastor larry what is he talking about it's been the jew in one camp and the christian in another camp it has been the children of israel in one camp and the children of jesus in another camp but god says in the very last days i will tear down that middle wall in the tabernacle of david There was no middle wall that divides us. It was Jew and Gentile in the same place, worshiping the same God, in the same Holy of Holies, in the same Ark of the Covenant, in the same presence of God. And God says, in the last days again, I will tear down that middle wall and Jew and Gentile will begin to serve the same God who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob with Jesus Christ being that chief cornerstone. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Now jump down to verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with, number one, the saints, those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and, everybody say and, saints and members of the household of God, the children of Israel having been built on the foundation of the apostles, if I could, the New Testament, and the prophets, if I may, the Old Testament, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into the holy temple in the Lord in whom you are being built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. What's he saying? 
He said, when I rebuild this new tabernacle, he said, I'm going to tear down the middle wall. I'm going to build one end of it is going to be built on the teachings of the apostles, the New Testament. The other one is going to be on the teachings of the prophets, the Old Testament. And together with Jesus being the chief cornerstone, it will come together and be built as the temple of God's dwelling spirit. Now let me just throw in a little side note here. When we think of a cornerstone, we think of this, you got a wall coming here and a wall coming here on the bottom is a cornerstone. In Israel, if you go with us to the western wall, you'll see that, that those two walls are still connected. But the cornerstone is gone because the cornerstone in building the house of God is not on the bottom, but the cornerstone is on the top where the two walls come together at the top of the temple was a what's called the cornerstone that jutted out from everything else. And this is where the high priest would blow the trumpet to sound all of God's people. Come on in. Come on in and hear the word of God. Come on in and celebrate the word of God. Come on in and celebrate the victory of God. So we're going to build one wall on the teachings of uh, Amos and Daniel and Ezekiel and Moses and Abraham and one wall on the teachings of of, of Paul and Peter, James and John with Jesus standing on the cornerstone to all the world, blowing the shofar, saying, come on in. We're all in this together. This is the last sign. And you and I are building that thing right now. Somebody ought to shout amen. Watch this. This is so good. Go with me. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 15. Now, the book, the, now this scripture in Acts 15 is, is a repeat of the prophecy that's found in the book of Amos. They're exactly the same. And here is what's called in, in Bible history the Jerusalem Council. Now, let me, let me show you. Everything that God did in the first church, he's going to do again in the last church only the latter rain. What? So we look at signs and wonders and miracles and unity. We see that in the first church, but the latter rain will be greater than the farmer. Okay? So in the first church, how many realize that most everybody, when the church, the church first began, it was all Jews? But then all of a sudden, Gentiles started getting saved. When I first got saved, I have two college degrees. But when I got saved, I'd been doing drugs and heroin and cocaine so long that when I got saved, they put me in the 15 and under Sunday school class. My brain was so gone from, from, from doing drugs for so many years, I may have been educated, but I was an educated idiot. How many can relate to that? And so when I came in, they put me in with the, with the kids to start me out in elementary things because I had no idea what was going on. When I got saved that night to celebrate being born again, I went out and bought a bag of dope to celebrate getting saved. Now that was wrong. You, you do, I got to go over it. That was wrong. You do under, somebody watching by television just goes, I found my church. 
Everybody say that was wrong. Well, see, that's the same thing that we see here in Acts. All these Jews that are, that are following Jesus understand what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said, I didn't come to do away with the Torah. I came to give you the power to live according to the Torah. When we get saved, God doesn't take away the Ten Commandments. Oh, we're saved by grace. Yeah, we're saved by grace. Now that we're saved by grace... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You can't be a born-again coke sniffer. You can't be a born-again adulterer. Amen? It it don't work. Well, I'm I'm a born-again dope dealer. No, you're not. So here all these Gentiles came in, which was like me, and had no idea, had no idea how to serve God. So one group of the, the, the Pharisees that received Jesus said, well, we got to get them circumcised, and we got to do this. Listen to me. Everything God does, there is a physical and a, there's an earthly and a, and so thank God in this case, We don't need to be, once we receive Jesus, we don't need to be physically circumcised in the flesh. We were circumcised by the Spirit in our hearts, and all men shouted, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Are are you understand what I'm saying? So they came in and they said, Well, they got to do this, they got to do this. And they said, No, no, let's just get them to start here. Let's get them to not drink blood. Let's get them to not eat meat strangled. Let's get them to not fornicate. You know, this is the beginning. Christians ought not fornicate. Just because we're saved by grace, it does not give us a license to sin. Amen? And then he said, to prove that God's hand is on here, he said, we have seen the outpouring of God's Spirit. The beginning of this. Now look with me in Acts 15, starting with verse 15. And with the words of the prophets agree, just it is written. Now look at this. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Okay, now this is a prophecy that we saw being partially fulfilled in the first church. But this is the prophecy that will be fulfilled in the last church, and you and I are seeing it fulfilled as we sit here right now. Now let me reiterate something. Once again, we think that well, in order for Jesus to come, there has to be a, a rebuilding of the temple. That's a misconception. It is not the temple that has to be rebuilt. It is the tabernacle of David. Now, remember, God said to all of his children, when I give you the land back, this is a sign that you must return unto me so that I can return unto you. Okay? So the, the physical Israel re, is returning physically to Israel, 
And the spiritual, those of us who are grafted in, they are spiritual also, but but those of us who are only spiritual, we are returning not physically to Israel, but we are returning spiritually to Israel by coming back to the Torah. Now watch this. Everything God does has a physical and a spiritual, earthly and heavenly. When God says here, I will, this will be the final sign that I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. What we've got to understand is the tabernacle of David was not two things, or one thing, but two. There was, as you read the Bible, it talks about the tabernacle of David, the tabernacle of David. It's not one tent, and the tabernacle was a tent. It was two tents. The first one was the tabernacle of David, where David set up his throne, and the king ruled. The second tabernacle of David is where God set up God's throne and the priest ruled. The Messiah that is getting ready to come back is first coming back as priest and then he's coming back as the king of all kings. Can I have an amen? Now let me say it again. In one tabernacle was David's throne. In the other tabernacle was God's throne. In one, the king ruled. In the other, God ruled or the priest ruled. When we're talking about the coming of Jesus, it, 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 it overlaps each other. The rapture is not the second coming. The rapture is us who are the children of God, judged righteous, and in a twinkling of an eye, he comes and catches us up to be with the, with the bride, the bridegroom with the bride. Can I have an amen? After the bridegroom comes and gets the bride, they disappear for seven days. When the rapture takes place, the church, the children of God, will disappear for seven years. Seven years, there will be tribulations as the world has never seen before. We're going to get into this. And the Antichrist will set up his throne. But when Jesus comes the second time, he's not coming as a priest, but he is coming as a king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Somebody say amen. As you study the Old Testament, the Bible talks about two messiahs, not one, two. Now, it's the same messiah. His name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. This is what has confused the Jewish people. But the Bible talks about a suffering Messiah, and it talks about a reigning Messiah. In Hebrew, the suffering Messiah is Moshek ben Yosef, the Messiah from the family of Joseph. And we'll get into this next week. The other one is Moshek ben David, the Messiah from the family of David. When Jesus comes to get us, He is coming to get a bride that's without spot or blemish. We will be spiritually ready, and he will take us away. But when he returns, he's coming not as a servant, but he is coming to set up his throne in the new Jerusalem forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Somebody shout amen. amen. Now watch this. Let's look at the spiritual tabernacle of David. Because the physical tabernacle of David 
will not be built until after the rapture. We're gone for seven years. We return and God rebuilds the new Jerusalem and there he'll build the tabernacle where the son of David will sit on the throne in the new Jerusalem. But the spiritual tabernacle, the place of worship, must be built first and we're two-thirds there. We're two-thirds there. Now watch this. In the first tabernacle of David, number one, in the tabernacle, there was no middle wall. In all the other tabernacles, there are compartments. In the tabernacle of David, there is no compartments. Everybody comes in together. There's no wall where the Jews worship God on one side and the Gentiles worship God on the other side. You and I are building as we sit here today, as we watch across stream, as we teach Shabbat, as we teach our Jewish roots, as we teach to come back to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as we teach what Jesus meant when he said, go and prepare for me Passover. When we come back, we are tearing down that wall. Now the wall's not down yet, but it is at least low enough that we're reaching over with our Jewish brothers and sisters and shaking hands and we're beginning to understand, you know what? There's nothing that ought to divide us. We are all serving the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus is that door that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Now watch this. So in the tabernacle, there there was no one room for the Jew and one room for the Gentile. This is what Paul was saying. We got to tear down that middle wall. Number two, there was no holy of holies. In the tabernacle of David, the veil was, was gone. People came in 24 hours a day, and they worshiped God personally. They didn't have a high priest that would have to go in and talk to God for them. When Jesus Christ hung on that cross, and he shouted out those words for the devils to hear, and all the demons, it is finished. The Bible says in the temple, the veil that separated man from God was ripped from top to bottom. Folks, we're telling the world, you don't need a high priest to go in there for you. You've already got a high priest. He's already paid the price and it is finished. Somebody ought to shout amen. In the tabernacle of David, there was no sacrifice that the people had to bring because David said the sacrifice has been paid once and for all. And they would come into his courts instead of coming in fearful of God, bringing a sacrifice to earn the favor of God. They would enter his courts with thanksgiving in their heart. They would enter his gates with praise. This is where Psalms were written. The anointing of God was so strong on the musicians and the singers that they had to put someone in there that would record these psalms 24 hours a day because God was inspiring the singers. God was inspiring the musicians. And this is why David said, I'll praise you on the cymbal. I'll praise you on the drums. I'll praise you on the stringed instrument. I'll praise you on the high sounding cymbals. I'll praise you in my song. I'll praise you in my dance. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Folks, we're building that tabernacle again. 
Our God's not a mean God. We don't have to come before him with sacrifice. The sacrifice has already been paid. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who shed his blood, has shouted, it is finished. We can come boldly before the throne of God and enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Somebody give him praise. Now watch this. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. In the tabernacle of David, there was no need of sacrifice. The sacrifice was already paid. The people knew that God loved them. They, they sang before him. They came before the Ark of the Covenant. There was no veil. They came before him 24-7. All day and all night, people had access to God. This is why, listen to me, this is why in this church we don't pray to Jesus. In this church, we pray through Jesus. No man goes to the Father but by me. In this church, the veil has already been opened. Jesus said, I am the door. Come on through and come boldly before the throne of God. In this church, we don't say, Jesus, heal us. He said, it's finished. We don't say, Jesus, touch us. He said, it's finished. We don't say, Jesus, bless us. He said, it's finished. Quit standing outside of the holy of holy and come on in. The water's fine. Do you get it? Do you get it? And by doing this, that wall's coming down. Who do you pray to? I pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why do you pray that way? Because Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. When he hung on that cross, that veil forever was ripped from heaven to earth. And the, and the presence of God through Jesus Christ is available to Jew and to Gentile. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The price has been paid. Are you getting this thing? We're waiting for some stone to be built in Jerusalem. Some wall to be built. Some red heifer sacrifice to be found. The sacrifice has already been sacrificed. And the building is being built before Jesus sits forever and ever and ever in the physical tabernacle of David. You and I have been building the spiritual tabernacle of David. We're building it at one wall, the apostles, one wall, the prophet. But while we're in there, we're tearing down that wall that divides us. So Jew and Gentile together can serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Somebody say amen. The Messiah is both priest and king look with me in look with me in hebrews chapter 6 have you got it look at verse 19 this hope that word hope is when this expectancy is what that word hope means this expectancy we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil we don't have quit staying outside of the veil Come on behind the veil. Now look at this. Wherefore the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, 
according to the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, and the word Salem is the old word for Jerusalem. This Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part to all, first being translated king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. And he was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest forever. Somebody say ever. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. When our father Abraham, which by the way, Paul said, you are Abraham, the heir to Abraham's promise because of Christ Jesus. When Abraham got a supernatural victory, the enemy was bigger than he was. The enemy was stronger than he was. The enemy was better equipped than he was, but God gave him a victory and Abraham brought a gift to God and Melchizedek, who is both king and priest of Jerusalem who had no beginning and had no end. This is Jesus Christ. He said this same king and this same priest who will give you supernatural victory, who will give you supernatural abundance, he has already ripped the veil open that you and I can come boldly before the throne of God forever. Somebody ought to give him praise. Jesus is of the lineage of David because you and I are grafted in. We are now of the lineage of David. And because we are the lineage of David, when God says, return unto me, I'll return unto you. We are right now. We have been tearing down and tearing down and tearing down the wall that divides us. That's why on, on Resurrection Sunday, when we had nine or ten Orthodox Jews from the Israeli Senate that were in town, never been to a church in their lives, never have walked in. To most Jews, the church is the enemy. And they, they were in town on business. And they said, let's go meet this pastor. We hear what he's teaching. And they walk in. You should have seen them all sitting here when they realized it was Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. These are Orthodox Jews. They've never been in a church in their lives. It would be, it would, it's almost blasphemous. But when we sat there to do communion, we taught the way Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, Jewish Jesus would have done it on Passover with four cups and all but one took the Passover cups with us. And upstairs, this one Israeli senator in Hebrew says, tears running down his eyes. I know the Bible said one day it would happen. I know the Bible says this is, this is prophesied for the coming of Messiah. I never dreamed that I would see it. Folks, you may not understand it totally, but if you're in this building or if you're part of this ministry, God has picked you and I to be that last temple of God. We are tearing down the last stones. The outpouring begins now. Somebody shout amen. Listen to this. Zechariah the prophet says, I will pour out on the house of David. That's you. That's you who are grafted in and that's those who are born. I will pour out on the house of David 
and the inhabitants of Israel as the spirit of grace and supplication. They will look to me, the one whom they have pierced, and mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, a firstborn child. Now you and I are the house of David, but here's a prophecy, even though we're grafted in, a prophecy concerning Israel. Zechariah prophesies, now watch this. On Passover, when you break the unleavened bread, every Passover bread is striped and pierced. They don't even know why. Because Zechariah prophesies that when the Gentiles begin to come back, what did Rabbi Schneerson say? He said, they will look at the Gentiles and they will say, why are you keeping Shabbat? Why are you eating kosher? Why are you celebrating Passover? Rabbi Schneerson said, you will say to them, why aren't you? We saw that happen. I told you that story in Beverly Hills. Met with this rabbi. Why are you doing this? Because my Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with these, but I came to show you how to walk in them. I came to show you how to receive the supernatural power of it. Rabbi Schneerson said, they will not be able to get it out of their minds. But when they see the miracles in your life, the supernatural outpouring, the prophecy says, they will mourn for the one one who they pierced. Listen to this. Zechariah wrote, they will moan for the one they pierced years and years, hundreds of years before anybody was ever crucified. As we come back to our roots, as we are the five wise virgins, as we hear the, the bridegroom blow the trumpet and shout, I'm coming for my bride, as he comes and pays the price of the gold coins, and he says to all the world, the price is paid in full. When he signs the contract, the ketubah written in blood, he says, it is finish when we all come back to that they will look at this and they will mourn what have we done without jesus but the wall will be torn down and god will reestablish here on earth the power of a living god through you and i and the tabernacle of david somebody shout amen matthew 25 31 and says then The Son of Man will come in his glory, and the holy angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Look at me. After we are caught up, the word rapture doesn't exist in the Bible. The word rapture means to be caught up. God says, when I give you the land physically, I want you to aliyah. I want you to return. And when you return to me, I'll return to you. In Hebrew, those who return, we're we're not physically returning to Jerusalem. We are spiritually returning to Jerusalem. Say, what do we have to do? Well, let's not commit adultery. Let's not worship idols. Let's not covet our neighbor's house. Let's not steal. It's not this supernatural thing. Let's love God and love our neighbor. In these two, all the laws are fulfilled. Every law 
All 613 of them were broke down to two. Love God and love your neighbor. Why do I tithe? I love God and love my neighbor. Why do I forgive? I love God and love my neighbor. Why don't I commit adultery? I love God and I love my family. Why don't I steal? I love God and I love my neighbor. Somebody say amen. Amen. And he said, when you aliyah, when you return... Listen, the church needs to come back to the simplistic of it. And when you return, the word return is aliyah. I will aliyah to you. Jehovah Jireh will return. Jehovah Sidkenu will return. Jehovah Mekedesh will return. Jehovah Nisan will return. All that power will return unto us. And when the Jews see us, the blessing, the anointing, the prosperity on us. They will come and say, why are you doing this? And then they will say, you're doing the same thing we are. Why aren't we seeing the miracle power? Well, we've added to our faith your knowledge. Now all you got to do is add to your knowledge our faith. And Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone blowing the shofar for everyone to return. And in Hebrew, the wolves who return are those who will be caught up. And after we're caught up, we will be with the bridegroom for seven years. And then the heir of David's throne will come and he will set up the physical throne in Jerusalem. You and I are setting up the spiritual throne right now. Seven years will be gone and then he will come and set up the physical tabernacle of David in Jerusalem where he will rule and reign and we will rule and reign with him in Jerusalem. Not in Rome, not in Springfield, Missouri, Summer House in Dallas, forever and ever. Listen to this. Revelation 21, let me read it to you. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for the bridegroom. Someday... Someday we're going to see the new Jerusalem, heaven coming down. But starting today, as we are being used by God to tear down the middle wall, he is going to pour out his spirit. He is going to honor. It's going to not only astound the Jewish people, it's going to astound the church. The church world will go, why are you so blessed? Why are you seeing this? Why are you seeing that? Why are brain aneurysms leaving? Why is $68,000 of debt being canceled? Why? Because we have added to our faith the knowledge. My people destroyed for what reason? And in doing that, we are spiritually tearing down the middle wall. We are spiritually building the tabernacle of David. One side, the teachings of the apostles. The other side, the teachings of the prophets. And together, Jesus will build his spiritual habitation on earth before he comes. Can I have an amen? amen. God gave this to me. And as you know... I was just going to allude to it. I've got to read it to you. Listen to this. Revelations chapter, I'll read it to you, chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, 
write these things. These things say he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one can shut, shuts and no one can open. He says to the church, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. No one can shut it. For right now, you have a little strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. Now, let me stop right there. And I, I, I should be giving the altar call here, but I got to tell you this. When, when God, I was done with my message, God said, go to the scripture. And he says, I know your works. I have set before you an open door. No one can shut. Twelve years ago, I began to teach Jewish roots. Twelve years ago, I began this. Thirteen years ago, I began to say, we're missing something. I'm tired of hearing the promises. I want to see the promises. Not just on a couple. If he'll do it for one, he'll do it for everyone. And that's when the Lord took me to Israel. Hadn't, wasn't looking for this. Just looking for God. And in Capernaum, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, he said, I'm going to teach you to reread the Bible with the eyes of a Jewish Jesus, not a Gentile Jesus. When God gave me this scripture, he said, I, I know your works. I have set before you an open door no one can shut. When I first started teaching this, people made fun of me. People canceled me from preaching. People canceled me from doing conferences. People, ministry outlawed me because I was teaching the law. Now, I get paid to come teach these things. You know why? Because God said, I will confirm my my Torah. I will confirm it with signs and wonders. And then the Lord says, up till now, and this is including you because you've, you've come here. When God told Tiz and I to come to Dallas and start all over again and teach this, I said, Lord, they're going to think I'm crazy. It wasn't popular. It's just now becoming popular. It may not be popular, but God said to me years ago, gave me that scripture. He said, if you hold back my word because of the looks on their faces, I will take the anointing and give it to someone else. Up till now, we've had, we've had a little strength. But God said, because you've been faithful, you've hung in there. There's a lot of you here. You say, you know, I don't understand all the Pastor Larry's teaching and all this stuff, but I can feel it. Okay, this is for you too. Look at verse 10. Because you have kept my commandment to preserve. You've kept my commandment to hold on to the word of God. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. Remember those who aliyah are those who will be caught up. Come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Look at verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. Don't get into it. Don't get into this next wind and this next wave and this next, this next thing. Hold fast because when we build the house of God on the rock, when the start, we build it on the little charismaniac, you know, things that pass through. It's sand. But this is the last temple. This is the last tabernacle. 
Hold fast, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Years ago, when I first started going to Jerusalem, and I wish we could have froze it, everybody's seen pictures of the Western Wall. For years and years and years and years and years, for 2,000 years, that's the only part that's been exposed. But a few years ago, underneath the old, the city of Jerusalem, they found the rest of the wall. Because when you get down into the middle of it, right there, on this one spot of the wall, is as close, right on the other side of that wall, was the original Holy of Holies, the original Ark of the Covenant. So this is, to our Jewish brothers and sisters, the holiest place. And so you have to go in with an Orthodox guide. The first time we went in, this young man would teach and teach and teach. And then Joseph and I, we had, a, we had a tour with us. And Joseph and I would teach then about how this relates to Jesus and how Jesus connects us with this. And for the first hour, every time we talk about Jesus, this, this Orthodox man would turn his back on us. But by the time we got to the end, back in those days, you came out on the Arab quarter. You can't come out there now. You come out, we were out there, and, and the, the soldiers were, where, were there to, to, to walk us to our bus And after an hour, hour and a half of this man hearing us talk about a Jewish Jesus, we get out and he says to Joseph and I, can I talk to you guys? And we came over to him. He goes, who are you people? Who are you? And we began to tell him about our our Jewish Jesus and what he taught. And he says, you love Israel and know more about it than we do. The next couple times we saw this happen every time, and they always end up with at the end of the speech, and someday we'll rebuild the temple of God. The last time we went through, it was an Orthodox woman, and she heard us teaching and heard us teaching and heard us teaching, and she never turned her back. Now, 10 years ago, they turned, or, or five years ago, they turned their back. Look what's happened in five years. She never turned her back, and when we got to the end, she said, to the whole group after hearing us, Joseph and I teach. Listen to this. She said, someday on this very spot, God will rebuild. Now they've always said temple. She said, God will rebuild the tabernacle of David. Now listen. And she said, all we have to do is learn to get rid of our differences and tear down that middle wall. We are that close. For 2,000 years, for 1,700 years since the Council of Nicaea, we haven't moved an inch. Matter of fact, we've gotten further and further and further away. But in the last five years, an acceleration of time. We're not there yet. The wall's not totally down, but we are reaching over it and shaking hands with our brothers. We are near. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering and say amen.